Hello, hello. Let's give it up for the band. Man, I love that song. Like if I ever need to wonder, somebody's beside me. There's always someone beside me in the fire. That was good, huh? Are y'all ready for a good Sunday? Are you ready for a good Sunday? Let me ask one more time. We are ready for all that God's gonna do. We are so excited to be back home. We had a great weekend and we know that God is gonna do amazing things with all the ways that he poured in this weekend. If you weren't with us, today you're gonna get a little taste. Our women went away this weekend to a sisterhood retreat, which is uh, our big annual event that we do every year and never ever have we gone and not felt God move. 15 years, this is our 15th year of sisterhood retreat. Let's give some applause for that. Y'all gonna have to wake up, wake up. We had about a hundred women go out and um, with uh, the pandemic upon us, we didn't even know if we were gonna be able to go at all. So we were thrilled to be able to go and have so many. And you know what's really great about that is a hundred, I'm sorry, not a hundred, 14 women got, got saved and baptized this weekend. That is life change right there. If we ever stop seeing that, we know we're doing the wrong thing. But as long as we are seeing God move, we're going to keep plowing the fields that he puts in front of us. So we're back today and we want to give you a little taste. Um, you saw you saw the footage there. There was a lot of things that we walked through together. And today I'm titling the message, Walk With Me. I'm going to give you a little bit of both nights so that we kind of sandwich this together. We're going to talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and Daniel. And we're going to be in the book of Daniel today. Day as we go through that. So, you know, there's a couple of different kinds of walks you can go on. I'm going to tell you about a couple that I've been on. I was on a walk one morning where a little pack of coyotes came after me. You guys, do you know about the Frisco coyotes? They're not like normal coyotes, are they, Tom? Apparently they have quite the reputation. What's interesting in Texas is we were all hearing about the coyote attacks and then they just stopped. I'm like, you know, some people went after those coyotes with their guns. I'm like, you're in Texas, coyotes. You don't stand a chance. All of a sudden, those were gone. All those attacks we were hearing about. But these coyotes came after me one morning. Um, now, I say came after me. You should take that down a few notches. That sounds a little exaggerative. They did trot after me. Trot. Just run. But I outran them because I'm so fast. I've, I can beat Tim at a foot race. I used to not be able to, but I think I could take him now. We're going to have to video that this week. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I think his back can't take it anymore. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to outrun him like I outran those coyotes. But I, I've also been on walks that I was alone with a coyote. I've also been on walks where I've been encouraged and lifted up. My friend, Noelle Fody, uh, she loves to walk. Man, that woman can walk and walk and walk, but she doesn't just walk for exercise. She walks with purpose. So she'll text me and say, hey, let's go. You got, so you, you, do you have one hour? Let's go for a walk. Let's go for a prayer walk. And she'll take me out and she prays over me and she lifts me up and she encourages me. And that's the kind of friend I want, right? She's purposeful to reach out to me and she is intentional about that. And she will, that's the kind of people I want in the fire with me. So today we're gonna talk about walk with me. Look at your neighbor beside you and say, walk with me. Come on, walk with me in the fire. Y'all, you, you don't sound very passionate. I can't even hear you up here. Walk with me. Walk with me in the fire. That's right. Don't be walking with me on the, all the rosy days that are easy with candy canes and rainbows. Anybody can do that. I want you to walk with me on the hard days. Say, I walk with me on the hard days. All right, we're gonna find out today. So Daniel chapter two and three, that's where we're gonna be. Daniel chapter two kind of starts the story. Well, one and two does, but we're gonna pick the story up 
in Daniel chapter two. Daniel, you need some friends who are tested. That's the first point to make today. First thing you could write down if you're taking notes is that Daniel had some friends that he could be tested with. So this is the situation. There's a king, crazy king, Nebi. We're gonna call him Nebi because his name is obnoxiously long and dumb to try to spell. King Nebi, right? He's a little crazy. He's kind of um, overreactive politician. I'm not sure if anyone has a context for that kind of leader, but he is one. Just curious if anybody could think of someone in their head. Anyway, so he, he's, he's a crazy king. He's got some crazy ideas. So in, in fact, he... he raids basically Jerusalem, brings them all over to his, his town, his country, Babylon, and all these friends, all these people are coming, and Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are swept up with that, and they find themselves being stripped of their heritage and their legacy and retrained, reprogrammed really as Babylonians, and all these things take place, and they even take a stand together on what they're going to eat and what they're not going to eat. Now, we're not going to eat your food. That's not good for us. We can't do that. That would be a compromise. We're going to eat what we, what we know God wants us to eat. So they, they even start out, we see the pattern of their like gumption start to take place before they get to the show. They're being tested before they get to like the big thing in chapter three. So Daniel's got some friends who are willing to be tested. So now the king, he has this dream. He wants somebody to interpret it. He needs somebody to, Daniel's like, I can do that. I'm a dream interpreter. Has anyone ever put that on their resume? dream interpreter that it was a it's not a thing today it was a thing then like there were people that did this apparently Daniel was really good at it like that's a skill set I have can you imagine walking in what do you think your positives are what do you think your skill set I'm really great at interpreting dreams would you like me to try it now right so this is exact I mean it's weird it's like weird things that we can't relate to but apparently he's really good at it so he's like he gets a shot at interpreting this dream now the king has overreacted already and he was kind of sick of all the people that normally tell him what his dreams mean so he just killed all of them okay just not, not fired them like killed them they're all gone and so Daniel's like I can do it I can do it I can do it I can do it but he knows if he doesn't do it it's probably gonna get killed right now probably him and his friends his three amigos Shadrach Meshach and Abednego they were all gonna be swept up in this killing or this like assassination and spree that was taking place if he couldn't figure out the dream so Daniel's like I can do it now he does go before the king and say, I can do it. Then he goes back to his friends and he's like, hey, so I kind of signed us up for this thing. We got to figure this dream out tonight, tonight. But look at what he says to them in chapter two, 17 and 18. It says, he went home and explained it to them. So I guess they all live together. I don't know. And, and, and their names are actually there, their actual names. We don't have time for that today. But he goes to them and he says, he urges them and pleads them to ask God for mercy. So it's interesting because I think we use the words urge and plead when we're talking about how we pray to God for something that we desperately want. He's begging them to beg God for discernment and mercy. He's, he, he goes home and he, he, can't, he can't describe enough how tenuous this situation is. He can't put it in describing words enough. What I love about this too is, do you think that Daniel went to the guys that he just kind of knew from the neighborhood? Just kind of a surface relations. Does anybody have surface relationships in their life? 
Do you know what I mean? When we go away on things like this, like sisterhood retreat or camps or brotherhood conferences or whatever it is, you know, at GM, we're really interested in building the depth into relationships and building that root system down. We're not interested in more surface relationships. Do you have enough of those in the neighborhood, at work, at school? You know what I mean? The people that you say hi to, their acquaintances, but they're not really adding anything to your life. You're not adding anything to their life. There's not a lot going on there. But Daniel, he had these friends that they'd already been through some stuff together. They'd been tested already before we even get to this moment and they're gonna be tested again. You need friends in your life who are gonna be tested with you that somebody can come to you and say, I need you to get on your knees and I need you to beg God to show me what we're supposed to do. I need you to beg God for the answer. You need people in those moments when the pressure is turned up and the weight feels too big to get up under and bear it with you. If we don't have those people, we won't likely make it. In a year like we've been in this year, oh, to be alone in 2020, bad news, bad news. And also if we walk together, we learn that we can win together, right? We might lose together, but we're gonna win together. So when we're, when we're thinking about these friends who we're gonna be tested with, what about those people that will just keep walking with you? And that's what these three friends were. They set this up for us. They're gonna worship, they're gonna pray together, they work together, they're gonna walk together through some stuff. So they get on their hands and knees and they're praying to God. God, they know they have like 12 hours to figure this out because the king, the crazy king has decided what he's decided. So look at verse 19, it says during the night, the mystery is revealed and Daniel figures it out and he gets down on his hands and knees and he worships the God. So he begs God for clarity and then he worships him when he delivers. What do you think about that? That's our response to a God who can do crazier things than humans can come up with. So David interprets this crazy dream. It's wild, it's like 30 verses. There's no way we have time for it today. He interprets this dream and then he finds favor with the king. So it tells us in the next set of verses in 46 and 48 and 49, that as soon as Daniel comes before the king, he just falls down before David, the king. He's like, David. Daniel, thank you, thank you, thank you, Daniel. I'm like, this king is out of his mind. He is up and down, up and down. So he was just standing over them, ordering their death. Now all of a sudden, I mean, he's like this overreactive guy. He just gets down on his hands and knees when it says he falls prostrate to the ground. That means he lays out flat in front of them. I can't do that today. But you know, I wonder if Daniel was like, what is going on? Or maybe he was standing there like, yeah, that's right. I just interpreted your dream that none of your other fools could figure out. Maybe that's what he, I don't know. But Daniel, you know, he had to have some swagger about him. You know, he had to be like, mm, I told you. Told you I could do that. I'm so good at interpreting dreams. God has given it to me. But look at the way verse 46 is worded. It says that he falls down and he pays him honor. Not only that, in the next set of verses, he gives him all these gifts, he lavishes him with praise, he makes him or he promotes him, and then what happens? Daniel, he doesn't forget his friends, because they've been tested, they walk together, they win together. He's like, hey, I have these three guys. 
They're really good at all the things too. Let's give them a position. The king's like, yeah, that sounds good. Let's go raise those guys up too. So now they're in high places and they're now all basically like VIPs in Babylon. They're like top dog right there with the, in the king's court. They're with them. I wonder if there's anybody in 2020 who wishes they had some friends like this, who wishes they had some depth and some meaning to the things. I will tell you this weekend at Sisterhood Retreat, we got real, we got vulnerable. We talked about how difficult 20 and 20 has been, whether it's been just financial crisis or pressure, because none of us is sitting in this room that hasn't felt some level of pressure in the last eight months, including our church, our family, your family, your kids, whatever, school, this, that, all the things. Man, to have to walk all of that alone, that's not what we were designed for. We were designed to find God and then help people find God. That's what we were designed to do. That's what these guys are doing. They're taking a stand and they're trying to win together so they can win the hearts of people for the only true God. Look at your neighbor and say, you cannot do it alone. Say it again. There you go, I like it. All right, let's fast forward 16 years later. 16 years later, we're in Daniel chapter three now. Now the big show, here it is. So as we get into this, these guys, if you wanna talk about the heat being turned up, the heat's about to be turned up on their lives. The heat is about to be turned up on their lives. Here they go, all the testing they've been through, which we've skipped a lot. If you want all of it, you gotta read Daniel one and two. You can see that God has just been getting them ready for this moment right here, because we're gonna to live to tell about it talk about it with our kids, all the cute stories. We're gonna tell everything about this because this is a moment we're never gonna forget. That if you wanna try to enjoy the light of God, maybe you have to go through some stuff and endure the heat to get to the enjoyment of the light. So as we fast forward 16 years, now this king has gotten crazier and crazier. But for the last 16 years, they have established a relationship with him. They are kind of in and out of his palace, living life with him. They're in the court, which means like, there's some of the people that are high up that get to be around the king all the time and in and out of his house. They know him on a personal basis. He knows them, but he's decided this crazy, they, they first of all, they know how crazy he is. Crazy people just crazy. Anybody figured that out? They just, it just is what it is, right? So they, they, they know him. It's not like he, he was tame for a while. We just don't have it recorded. It'll be nice to hear all those in-between stories once we get to heaven someday. But here they are, and this king builds a 90-foot statue of whatever God, and he wants everyone to bow down to it. It's 90 feet tall and nine feet wide, basically like two of me sideways wide. This thing was huge. And he's like, everybody bow down to my statue because it's amazing. Has the statue ever done anything? No, but whatever, that's beside the point. When crazy people have crazy ideas, they don't really care if it makes sense, right? So he, has, he gets this statue and he's like, everybody. Now he calls all the leaders together first, which is hundreds of people. All the leaders come together and you're gonna bow down first. As soon as you hear the music start, you bow down and worship. Well, our friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're part of this crisis. And you, do you think it was a crisis, a personal crisis is occurring in their minds? They're like, we can't do that. We're not doing that. We, only, we, we serve one God. We can't worship down to an, an actual idol. We talk about idols in here as like concepts, right? 
It's not an actual thing in front of us, maybe. We talk about like our uh, desires and wants and vices and the things we stumble with, those being like idols, maybe our phone, maybe social media, maybe how we look, how we dress, all those things. This is an actual statue and they're all gonna be out here. No one's gonna be, no one's gonna be hidden. They're all gonna be exposed. What I like about it is it doesn't say like Shadrach was over here in this acreage waiting and Meshach was in the back 40 in the crowd and he was, you know, trying to like see his friends across the way and Abednego wasn't over here like, well, um, I don't know, are those guys gonna do it? Are they, what are they doing? He, it doesn't say that they were separated. It says they were all three there and they just didn't bow down. They were together when this moment came. So as soon as the music starts, they don't do it. They're together. And they're in this field of hundreds of people standing there. And they stand. And as soon as the music starts, the whole crowd goes down. Does it that, think about that visual for a moment. It's a little creepy. Like everybody just bows down. It feels a little dark, doesn't it? And these three guys just stand. Now we don't see that they made a big fuss or they made a big scene. They didn't like submit paperwork so that they could have, you know, like they didn't have to be involved in this. They just quietly took their stand to not compromise what God had led them in. And of course, there's always that one snitch comes and snitches them out. I mean, I wonder how small they looked from old Nebby's position up on the stage. like. How far out were they from him? He didn't even know until somebody came and said, hey, there's these three guys back there. They said they're not gonna do it. They didn't bow down. I totally saw them stand up. They just totally ignored you. And you said you were gonna kill anybody that didn't do it. They didn't do it. He comes and tells, snitches. They always get stitches, don't they? Nobody likes a tattletale. Like, who is this guy? Goodness, some Karen telling on him. Got to turn, we got to put that in every time. That's going to be the most popular word from 2020, Karen. Um, is there anybody named Karen? We love you. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. So these guys are called in. The king's like, hey, guys, is it true? Is it true? Like, did you hear what I said? Like, you have to bow down to the thing. And if you don't, then you're going to be thrown in a furnace. Are you going to make me throw you in a fire? Did, did you, is it true? You didn't bow down? Like, did you not understand what I meant? And they're like, oh, Nebby, Nebby, Nebby. Do you even know us? At 16 years of a friendship here, you don't know us at all? You know us. Look, there's no way we're bowing down to an idol that's done nothing. We're not doing that. There's no way that's gonna happen. And if you wanna throw us in the fire, well, I guess you're gonna have to throw us in the fire you know what their statement is next? Our God will deliver us. And if he doesn't, we're still not worshiping your idols. I asked the women this weekend, what is your fill in the blank? If he doesn't do what? Then what do you do? He, he'll, he'll deliver us, but if he doesn't, Meaning if he doesn't deliver us the way you think it should be done, if he doesn't deliver us in front of your eyes, well, we know he's gonna deliver us, but if he doesn't do, if he doesn't come through on this thing right here, then what is the response? 
God is often seen as a cosmic Coke machine. We just put our money in and we pick our choice and we want it to come out and do exactly what we want. We want, we want a Coke, I want a Dr. Pepper, I want the Sprite, I want exactly what I want. I want it delivered right now. I want you to do it this way. And if it doesn't happen, we start beating on the Coke machine and we start beating up God and say, it's your fault that nothing ever works out in my life. But not these guys. They said, if he doesn't, we're still not gonna bow down. So this guy doesn't miss a beat. The heat has been turned up. The pressure is on. The weight is there. They're feeling every bit of that. And they go before the king and they confront him because they know in order to enjoy the light of God, they have to endure some heat. They're willing. They're like, bring it on. Come at me, Nebi. Let's go. Yes. So he doesn't miss a beat. He's like, instantly, they start tying them up and he like overreacts again. He turned the furnace up seven times hotter than it's ever been before. Bring the strongest army in to, to tie them up. So he brings in like the Navy SEAL Green Beret guys, the elite of the elite of the elite to like wrap them up and throw them in. You can put the verses up now. And it, it's in, I think it's in uh, 21 and 23 of Daniel chapter three. And he says, oh, with all their clothes on, like, Instantly, so they, they were just in the field 10 minutes earlier, not bowing down. I mean, it is instant. There wasn't any like go home and say goodbye to people. They had all, it describes their outfit basically, wraps them all up in the ropes and then they toss them in. But look at what it says, that the guys that threw them in, what happened? They're killed from the heat the intensity that's coming out of there. Have you ever been that close to like, you know, you're, you turn your fireplace on for the first time or you're outside around a campfire and you're like, oh, it's too hot. Like you get in there, you can't sit very long because that heat comes at you. Imagine this, it was so hot and so fierce and so strong that the guys that just got just this close to toss a body in, they fell dead. Wow. So you're like, there's no way they're gonna make it. There's no, there is no way that these guys can get out of this. I mean, it's over. Like, well, he didn't deliver them, did he? I mean, they just got thrown in. There's no way humanly possible that this is gonna work out. But we serve an extraordinary God who specializes in the impossible. That is his specialty. In any situation where you think there is no way we can overcome this, there is no way we can get out of this, there is no way I can figure it out or I can be nice enough or good enough or passionate enough or whatever to overcome this thing that's in front. There's no way, there's no way. I don't have enough money. It's not gonna work out. I can't figure it out. That's where God steps in and he becomes extraordinary in the midst of your ordinary situation that feels completely insurmountable. So when we find ourselves in situations that are dire, like 2020 has brought on for us, when we find ourselves walking in a place where we can't find the answer, who do you have surrounding you? And what God are you willing to bow down to? What God are you willing to stand up for? What God are you willing to stand and worship and praise and proclaim? That's the question. Let's look at what happens in verse 26 and 28. 26 through 28. He's like, he threw them in and they all went. And what happened? I'm sorry, I'm in actually the wrong verses. 24 and 25, you guys following me? You're actually better than me because I called for the wrong ones. Look at this. He threw them in, they die. And what happens? Nebuchadnezzar. He's like, did he hear him screaming? Did he hear, did he hear cries? 
Did he hear I'm tormented? He says that all of a sudden he leaps up. He's like, hey, how many guys did we throw in there? I mean, can you not remember? I mean, this guy's out of his mind. How many guys did we throw in there? Like, did we throw three in? Yeah, we threw three in. He's like, well, there's four in there, and one of them is glowing like the Son of God. I love that. Glow Jesus. He just shows right up, right? I'm like, I need you to shine brighter than everything else around me. That would be great. But I wonder, like, was he already in the fire when they got tossed in? When they got tossed in and they were ready for, like, you bracing yourself for the pain, was, would they, like, you know, this is me on a roller coaster, just like trying to get through it when I'm terrified. Where the eyes close and they open and they're like, oh my gosh, it's Jesus. He's here. We know it. We know it. What was their reaction? Did they, did they just wait for everything to be burned? Did they wait 10 minutes? Did they wait a minute? Did they wait 30 seconds? Or was he instantly like, hey, I'm here just like out on the water with Peter or wherever he has delivered, just like the hand of God pushed back the seas like we sang about it, just held the water back so they could cross over. He was already in the fire before they even stepped into what some crazy king had decided was their fate. But God said, no, this is my specialty. It's the fire that's the hottest. It's the thing that's the most impossible. I'm already in it with you. I'm already here to deliver you. I'm serving up your salvation on a platter. All you have to do is stand there and watch me work. That's the God that we serve. Can we give him some praise? An extraordinary God for extraordinary times. That's who we serve. It says that those guys came out of that hole. They came out of that fire and they were unburned, no burns, no first, second, third degree burns. Not a hair on their heads was touched. Anybody ever smell burning hair? It's terrible. None of that. All their clothes were intact. Not one strand of cotton had been burned up. Then it said they didn't even smell like it. You ever sat around a campfire and realized you got to wash everything that you had on. Even if you were out there five minutes, you smell like it, right? Nothing. There was no evidence on them anywhere that they had been even thrown in a fire or been through anything difficult. All that anybody in the world was talking about was the fourth guy that was in that fire unexpectedly. That's what the story is that they got thrown in and Jesus showed up. He was already there. Isaiah 43, two has never been so prominent. When we think about that, though I, though, though I might walk through the floodwaters, that those rains are gonna come, those, they're not gonna take you over. You're not gonna drown. That water's not gonna get too much. And when you walk through the fire, you won't be burned. You're not gonna be set ablaze. Just wait and watch me work. Psalm 23, four says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We use that at funerals a lot. But let's talk about walking through the valley of the shadow of death in real life every day. That's what this is talking about. Man, I was in the shadow of death. I about got tossed. I got tossed in a furnace. But Paul wraps it up beautifully when he says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 through 10, we were burdened excessively. He's describing the situation they found themselves in, he and his team. Beyond our strength. Ooh, I mean, these are words that we could connect with. We despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death within ourselves that we didn't even trust ourselves anymore. We only trusted the God who raises people from the dead. And verse 10 says, he did deliver us 
from such a great peril of death. He will deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope, and he will yet deliver us. You know what that says to me? It says that Paul knew because he had walked so much with Jesus and with people who would be tested with him and would walk it out, they would win together, they would watch an extraordinary God show up for them, that he had delivered them from some things, he is delivering them from some things, and he has yet to deliver them from so many other things that are coming. Let's stand today, let's worship, let's pray for God to deliver us today in this service, in the coming week. God, we lift up you, we lift up your name, we know that you can and you will deliver us in your time when it is your plan and we submit to that plan. We know, God, that you intend for us to see all the ways that you will bring about provision and salvation. And all we have to do is be willing to believe in it enough to believe that it can work. We don't have to do anything else. We have to believe, we have to position ourselves in a way that you can bring it about. So God, today, we put our eye on you. We ask for you to keep working like you did this weekend, that you would springboard us into a season of belief and a season of passion that we've not yet seen in our personal lives or in our church or in our city. And we know that you can do it because you've done it time and time again. Let's set our hope on him and worship in Jesus' name, amen.